Welcome back to the Creator Files podcast. Today I have Ricky here again because we are still in the trenches of his 30-day publishing challenge. So we're going to talk about that, get an update. It's getting more exciting every week, I swear. And then after that, we're going to talk about strategy and kind of how you can know if you should keep going with your publishing routine, whatever that is, and your current strategies, how to know if it's time to just keep going or if it's time to pivot your own strategy. So we're going to talk about that more later. But first, tell us how the challenge is going. Yeah, it's first of all, it's going really well. Um, from the actual standpoint of the goal, I'm still nailing it. So I haven't missed a day. The, the real goal of this challenge was to publish daily for 30 days. Any outcomes that we get as a result of that will be great. But I, I did have some thoughts in mind of what I'd hope would happen. And I'm, I'm on track. That's, I think, what's exciting to me. Um, do you want me to go into that, what I mean? Yes. Um, All right, cool. So I've published 23 videos and I'm at the point where, um, you know, every day, the last three days in a row, I've gotten more than a hundred hours a day of watch time. And in the beginning, what I said was, you know, it'd be awesome, like stretch goal, you know, shoot for the stars kind of thing. Yeah. It'd be awesome if I were to be monetized by the end of a month. And like, I knew that I knew at the time, that unless I like put out a viral video, mm-hmm. that just, that wasn't what was going to happen. And I don't think that that should be like, it's all, I think it's fine to be like, oh, it'd be awesome if something like this happened. But if you set a goal like that, and then you get to the end of a challenge and you're like disappointed, like that, that kind of let down, like, no, that, that was a fairly unrealistic goal. Yeah. You have to know the difference between like a goal that you, that's a stretch and a goal that's more realistic. The The more realistic outcome based goal that I'd set was, at the end of the second month, okay, I would be monetized. So, and by that, I was I wasn't meaning kind of the new monetization. I've been looking into the new monetization. Um, YouTube is offering that, you know, saying here's what you need. The new monetization doesn't get pay you for ads. It only pay, it lets you start doing some things, yeah, the super thanks and stuff. But you know, kind of your bread and butter earning model. You still need the four thousand hours, and you still need the thousand subscribers. I'm at one hundred and sixty six thousand subscribers today on day 23. And if I need a thousand, um, you know, I figure ah, by the end of the challenge, I have seven more days. I'll probably be at close to 200 subscribers, maybe more, especially because now I'm gaining like 30 a day. Mm-hmm. So it's going faster. So that means I'm going to need 800 more. So in the second month, if I have 30 days means I need 26 a day and I'm doing 30 a day with the videos that I have. And here's the cool thing too, is it's like, it's not like all my subscribers are coming from the brand new video every day. It's coming from the video from four days ago and 12 days ago and nine days ago. You know, those cool. videos that have had, that YouTube has started to pick up and realize like, oh, there's a bigger audience for this. It's kind of compounding and they're figuring right. out who your audience is. And you can see that it's all working together, yeah. not just these new videos. And that's how like, that's the big benefit, I think, of doing a challenge like this or for, sort of front loading content on your channel is... Not only is your channel more subscribable, and I've had people who have like commented already saying, "Hey, I just found your channel." It's like, well, yeah, it's because I just made my channel, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like it's new. Um, but they they look at it and they see, oh, this seems like a reasonably established channel. There's over 20 videos on it already. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know that that was the subscriber count. But what about watch hours, right? Well, I'm at 653 watch hours, and I'm getting over 100 a day. So hitting a thousand by the end of the first month is totally not only like reasonable, but very likely. Yeah. Cause I mean, that's only 350 more and I have seven more days. So I could do 50 a day and still hit it. Right. Yeah. It's unlikely so, that you wouldn't hit it. Right. So like, let's say I need 3000 more watch hours. Well, that's easy math because if I divide that by the 30 days of the second month, it means I only need a hundred watch hours per day. Well, that's already my average. Yeah. Right. And so basically I don't even have to grow. I just have to stay at the levels I'm at and I will, hit monetization by the end of month two. More likely, I'll probably hit it by the middle of month two. Wow. Which is That's got to be exciting. Yeah. And th- it's important to pay attention to those things because if you don't, you might feel discouraged, especially if you're looking at a video by video basis and you see, well, you know, this video I just published only got 20 views. So that'd be very discouraging. And I think so often people look at it like that is they're, they're really focused so much on the very last video they published. If it yeah. does well, they're happy. And if it doesn't do well, they're not happy. But you're looking at this big picture 
the overall trajectory of your channel. Right. And so you can see what it's going to be like yeah. in a month and a half. And you don't know like for sure which videos it's going to be. Mm-hmm. My video today, I mean, it's only been out for three and a half hours. It's only got 21 views. Um, that's more than I said in the last episode. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I said how many my views of my, how many that day's video had. Yeah. And it was not that high. My video from yesterday only has 40, but my video from two days ago has 938. Wow. Um, it, it, you just don't know for sure which one it's going to be. I have long form videos now, one with over 1500 views, another with 1400 views, another with 1100 views. So I have four, I think, maybe only three that are over a thousand, but the one from two days ago is almost there already. Um, and again, nothing to get real excited about for someone who's been doing this for a long time, who has a big channel, but on a brand new channel that's less than a month old, that's super exciting and motivating. And that's why like, I love being back in the trenches, starting something new and not telling you what it is. Um, because I get to feel what that was like to have those days where I publish a video And at the end of the day, it's been viewed seven times and half of those people are me and my wife and probably a friend, you know? Yeah. (laughs) But it's, that's not how it is anymore. And it takes some people a year or more to get monetized. Yeah. And so, yeah, okay. They're low views. It's not a huge channel yet, but it's huge to be able to consistently get a channel monetized like that. That's really amazing that you can show how repeatable it is. So how do you feel about these videos that, you know, maybe say get, 40, 50, under 100 views, and even after a few days, it doesn't seem like they're going to pick up much more than that. Do you feel like they're kind of a waste, but they were helpful information, or like they're going to help your channel overall because some people will find them and like them even if they don't do great? How do you feel about those ones? Yeah, um, I don't think of them at all as a waste unless a video doesn't represent what I want the channel to be. You know what I mean? Yeah. If there's a video that really, I'm like, oh, that's not the way I wanted to portray myself or the brand I'm going for. Yeah. Maybe that one was kind of a waste and maybe I should unpublish it. I don't have anything like that yet. Um, and I hopefully will never create anything like that. But I don't, I still don't look at them as a waste. I had videos from that first week, like I said, that after a day did like seven, seven views. Mm-hmm. There's not a video from that week now with under 40. Wow. They just slowly, you know, some of them are getting oh. some search traffic. Um, but over time, I mean, they, they just are picking up. And, you know, today's video, like I said, it's got 40 views on it, but three separate people in the first two and a half hours commented on the video. They're engaging already. I, you know, I hear from people all the time who are like, yeah, I don't get comments on my videos. I ask for comments in like every video and I give a specific reason. I mm. say, I want your input on this, or I'm trying to do this, you know, or I say, um, one of the other things I, I say is like, what would you like me to test? Like, I want to save you money and time. I'll test it for you. What do you want me to test? Cool. Um, so I'm asking them for ideas, but mostly I'm just trying to get them to engage, not just watch. And it's already happening. And I don't have tons of comments on any video. Um, Percentage wise for how many views you're getting. That's true. That's very high. Yeah. Yeah. And do you find that people usually respond to the specific thing you asked in the video? Or is it usually that they... It kind of just gets them to think about commenting, but they don't always answer your exact question. Yeah, it's a mix. There are a few people who have directly, I mean, one of them, I very specifically said, what would you do with this product, right? What would you do with it? Um, Would you use it? Would you add to it? Would you improve it? Would you throw it out and start over? Mm. And probably at least half the comments have been saying, I would add this, or one good person was like, nope, that's garbage, throw it away. Um, you know, so I actually got engagement on the specific thing I asked for probably in at least half the comments. Um, and that's the one with the most comments on it. Cool. And do you do like a pin comment and pair that with a question or do you ask a different question in the pin comment or are you not doing pin comments right now? I've done a few pinned comments, mostly in the pin comments. It's been, Hey, I said I would link to mm. what this product was. Here's the product. I haven't been asking a lot of questions in the pin comments and I probably should for those people who are skimming through the video and don't um, probably never hear that part where I ask the question. I should probably reiterate it. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that it's dangerous to have too many calls to action in the same video, too many different ones. Yeah. Um, 
I do it too often. It's like, <laughs> oh, you guys should check out this video I made. And then later it's like, oh, and I made this other video. Make sure you check. It's like, how many things do I have to go do now <laughs> as yeah. a result of watching this video? And which one's most important? And yeah. I guess I'll do none of them. So I think the pinned comment is a great place where you're going to capture a lot of those people who might miss that call to action in the actual content. Yeah, especially I think we underestimate how many people maybe enjoyed the video. We'll look at the comments, maybe even comment and still not watch the full video yes. to the very end. I think it's, I don't know, for some reason we get this idea in our head that like if they like the content, they're going to watch yeah. the last second. How often do you watch a YouTube video? I don't. And don't watch the whole thing. Exactly. There are a lot of YouTube videos that, um, and I do the same thing, like in any sort of tutorial style video, right? We start off the video, we have a little intro, and then we're like, here's the problem I'm solving and here's why I'm solving it for you. I'm going to show you how to do this because I've run into this issue. Mm. And it's like, well, you know, maybe that's kind of like, that's great for those people who are just subscribed to your channel or they just you came across the feed or whatever. But like those kind of videos often do well in search. And I literally just searched a video to see how to do something. I just did a search in Google and landed on a YouTube video. And the video is like four minutes long. In the first two minutes, they're explaining why they're solving the problem. And I'm like, I know why. You know your problem. Because I have the same problem and I just want the solution. And so what do I do? I scrub past it. Like the video is still right. helpful, but I didn't watch half of it, at least half of it. I just skipped until I found where they started explaining the solution. Yeah. That's another thing. It depends on the type of video. Yes. Because if it's a really like high level kind of video or something, you know, if you're one term in marketing is like creating demand versus fulfilling demand. Mm -hmm. So creating demand is when somebody doesn't know that they need the product, but you think that they need the product. Yeah. And so with a lot of high level things, you might have to do that. You might have to say, you know, maybe let's take language learning. Maybe you'd say, you know, you might not realize that this is a problem, but this is a problem. And so that's why I'm going to help you fix it. Yes. Well, with a, with a lot of the tutorial type videos you're doing, which we can't talk about, but a lot yeah. of the tutorial type <laughs> videos you're doing, like you said, they're searching, they know the problem. And yeah. so you can't just have this like template that you use for every video nope. intro at all. You have to think about where's this person coming from? Do they know the problem they have or not? Mm -hmm. Am I fulfilling demand? Am I creating demand, so to speak? And then I think make your intro based on that. Yeah. So Totally. Um, it's a really good point. Do you think it's important to like welcome them and get them excited for it with any video? Or do you think that some videos you just should get right into it? I do like the welcome as long as we can keep it brief, mm -hmm. um, especially in a tutorial video, because I do think it's, it's valuable to get the, your brand in front of them. So, you know, something, having some sort of greeting that you say, it's great to create traditions around it, but don't force it too much. You know, okay. everybody like tries to make up a name for their, their audience, you know, and it, sometimes it works really well. And sometimes it's like, yeah, that's going to feel so like fake. And so contrived. don't force it. Um, so, you know, like right now, just when I talk to the people I'm talking to, if I refer to them, I just call them my friends, mm, you cool. know, and it's great because it makes me feel like I have a lot of friends, you know, <laughs> it's awesome. Um, but, uh, and that's the kind of relationship, the vibe I want to have, but yeah. I do try to have some sort of welcome, but I think a lot of new YouTubers start the video with that. And I've done that too many times as mm -hmm. well already on this channel. Like, you know, Hey, my friends, I hope you're having a good day. Welcome back to this channel. Da, 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 da. Here's what the video is about. And go into the video mm -hmm. for the video today. I decided like, I know that's not ideal, right? First 15 seconds, let's get a good hook. So instead, I like jumped right into, um, I tried to do sort of a like, not not really like pulling something from the middle of the video, but that can really help with the storyline, right? Mm -hmm. Showing something from later in the video. But I just tried to have something that was like, you know, here's the thing that we're doing today because of this problem, right? Mm -hmm. In like five seconds or less. Then I did my little splash screen. And then, then I came back to the, hey, what's up? You know, my friends, welcome to the channel. Cool. Um, let's jump right into it. Here's what I did, right? And it was, this today's wasn't a tutorial. Today's was a, like a product test sort of thing. Yeah. But I think that will do better. Um, the intro was way shorter overall. And I think we got right to the content a lot faster, but I still got to do the welcome. It was just seven seconds in. Yes. Instead of at the very beginning. Yes, which is another thing that's surprising. It sounds like seven or even 15 seconds sounds short, 
but that's like 15 seconds. It's getting kind of long on the intro side of things. So I think there's sort of two, two schools of thought here that I've heard two strategies of one would be, you should tell them what the video is about. Even if you're repeating the thumbnail or title so that it like meets the expectation. Uh huh. Mr. Beast, for example, does this. Yeah. It's in the title and the thumbnail, and it's very clear usually. But in the beginning of the intro of the video, he always reiterates exactly what it is. Like, today we're swimming with sharks. Like, yeah. Every we, time. We know. We saw the thumbnail. But Yeah. And he says you should reiterate so that they know that they're actually, you're actually going to deliver on what you said you were going to deliver on. Yeah. But then the other argument is, well, why would you waste that time? People are already impatient during the intro, probably already ready to skip ahead. And mm-hmm. if you already told them, do you really want to repeat what you said in the title? What do you think on that? Uh, I think I agree a little bit more with Mr. Beast on average. I think mm-hmm. for the most part in most videos, um, one is even in the, sh- the era of short form content, I do think that sort of jumping right in without any sort of like if, if we assume that the context is, is provided entirely by the title and thumbnail, mm-hmm. we might be assuming too much of our audience, right? Uh, we might be assuming that they put more thought into it before clicking on the video than they really did. And then we jump right into it and it feels kind of jarring because it's not what we're used to for that form of content. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I think I, I think I agree with what he's saying where if I can quickly state again, very quickly, <laughs> but if I can quickly make it clear, like in this video, this is what I'm doing. So that's, you know, what you should expect by the end of this video. Yeah. Whereas if it's like, oh, the title and thumbnail showed this, but yeah, maybe it was a little bit clickbaity. Like we don't like clickbait, but there has to be a certain amount of marketing. Yeah. In our or thumbnails, mystery or mystery. It gives right? you freedom to not yep. explain everything in the title and thumbnail. If you yes. know that you're going to explain it a little bit. In the yeah. And yeah. Honestly, if I look at the most successful channels on YouTube, um, Mr. Beast, you know, Mark Rober, I mm-hmm. look at just some of the channels that I really enjoy watching and um, they they do. Like, I know what's going to happen in the video. Um, they also are, do a great job of storytelling um, and often, like, Mark will often show something from later in the video that really gets me engaged and makes me like, oh yeah, I want to see how he got there. So I want to watch the whole story. But I get to know very quickly on in the very beginning of the video, here's what is going to be delivered in this video. It's just done in a quick but engaging way. And mm-hmm. I think that's that's the key. If we start off the video, welcome everybody. Like like it's like a talk show from the 90s, you know. Yeah. Um, and we have, you know. And without uh, further ado. <laughs> right. Now let's get to our first guest. Um, and I have several videos on this channel already where I realized when I went to edit them, that even after cutting it down, my intro was a minute long. Like it's a minute before wow. I actually got to real information because, and this, you could argue like, oh, I'm kind of building connection. I'm telling a little bit of personal story, giving some anecdote, you know, about, and that get, lets you know why this is important. They're getting familiar with you. Right. But I think they could get familiar with me a lot quicker. Do you think <laughs> that happens because you're kind of, you know, the content, in the moment you've hit record, you're just getting warmed up. You're saying hello. And you, do you think you almost like blank a little bit on what transition am I going to use to get to the first point? Do you think that, and then you yeah. kind of filler words almost? Because I'm, you know, because I'm doing this so quickly, mm-hmm. I'm not outlining most of these videos. Mm-hmm. Um, in a lot of cases, it's like, if it's bullet points, it's even mostly in my head. Wow. Right? Okay. So, you know, I have, if you look in our ClickUp, you'll see like my, most of them are just empty. Interesting. It's mostly like, here's a task just to let me know what videos I have on my list and what state they're in. Um, most of what you'll see in them are links to products so that I can copy and paste them into the description later. Um, and so I think that's a big part of it is I haven't really thought through it because I'm just like, well, today I got to record a video and edit it before tomorrow. So I'm just going to go do this real quick. Um, and the more I've done it and the more of the edits I've been doing myself, um, I see that a lot more closely. I don't usually like to really watch my own videos once they're published. Mm -hmm. Uh, and because of that, you know, if I film a video and I hand it off to somebody else, I never get, I never really see like 
the things about my own video that I didn't like mm. uh, or that I could have done differently. When I have to edit it, it's like, oh man, this is kind of a pain. Like, how, what, what can I trim out here? And then I realize, okay, the next video, I better do this a little bit differently. I think there's a lot of value in working on editing, you know, doing all of the steps for your own content for a little while and probably occasionally doing it even later if yeah. you hired an editor. I That's mean, a good point. I did a short this week, last week on Channel Makers that I filmed and edited and published. Like it didn't even go to our editors at all. Mm -hmm. um, partly just to get it out quickly and because like we have them swamped all the time. <laughs> but I just think there's a lot of value in going through those steps and seeing what you created on the filming side. Um, and it can give you a little bit more appreciation for the editors, <laughs> but also it can help improve your, your filming skills. The process for everybody improves your yeah. filming skills. So you're making better content to give them it speeds up what they're working with. Yes. Helps you remember maybe things to tell them or ways to work with the editors. And I really like what you said about that. Cause I think a lot of people get in this mindset of like, okay, well, you know, we say in project 24, do it for yourself for a while. Yeah. So they think, okay, well I'll do it for a while. And then you've like arrived once you've, you've done it for yourself for a yeah. bit and then you get to hire somebody and never think about it again. But I hadn't really thought about intentionally, even if your editor isn't swamped intentionally coming back and doing it again yourself mm -hmm. for those benefits. That's yeah. awesome. There, there just are numerous benefits. I think even beyond what we've talked about, just the things that you're going to see um, in your own in your filming that you're going to just improve just because you had to look at every second of the video multiple times. Yeah. So tell me about this outlining. Do you think that as you practice more, you want to keep doing this, like no outline structure? Do you think it's saving you time overall? Or do you think actually it might save you time if you did do the outline because it'll save you time in editing? Or are you liking it? Um, I think especially if you're going to hand it off to an editor, having an outline mm. is really valuable. Um, it just gives them a much clearer picture of what you want when you yeah. just give them a bunch of footage. It's like run with it. Good. You know, go for it. Yeah. Um, one of the videos I handed off to an editor who's just doing some part-time work for us. And um, after he cut it all together in order, I had forgotten to tell him that there was a part in the video where I forgot to say something I wanted to say earlier. So I went ahead and just said it because I was thinking, Oh, I'll probably edit this video. And so it was out of order um, for what I wanted. And so I actually spent some time, like, I took that clip, I moved it earlier, and I shifted. I ended up having to shift multiple things around to get it to flow. Yeah. Um, but by the end, you couldn't tell that it was not in the order I filmed it. But he, he had no idea. Yeah. And if I'd had a good outline and made note right after I filmed it, like, hey, by the way, there's a clip um, toward the end that was out of order. It should go here. Um, those kinds of things I think would have helped a lot. Um, but I think it also does help with the filming. If you have a, a good plan and a bit of an outline, um, it, it just makes it a lot easier to stay on point mm -hmm. as opposed to, especially if you're like me and you'll kind of just ramble if you, <laughs> if, if you're not careful. Um, so I think it's helpful. There are several of these videos though, where, especially if it's like a product, um, unless I'm doing like a first look, you know, I just took it out of the box. Here's my first impression. Mm -hmm. Um, if it's like a, I'm, I'm testing something on it, in those cases, even if it's in my head, there's specific. Like the one for today, I was like, okay, there were four little tests I did. And I'm just, that's, those are my bullets. Right. And okay. so I had more of an outline and the video, I think, came together a lot faster. The filming was a lot easier. I knew exactly what I was going to say. Uh, and it, so I do think having an outline, even if it's just bullet points, um, I do think helps having that structure in yeah. your head, but you're also not overthinking it, which is right. Super clear. You don't have like, you know, this main point and then sub points and then sub points and that. And that yeah. I think is an easy way to lose your audience. I've seen because yes. if you have too many sub points, well, it can look like it makes sense on your computer. Yeah. But then once you say it all and somebody's not taking notes, how are they going to follow along with that? Right. It's almost more likely that they'll be able to follow along if you kind of have a structure in your head of things you want to cover yeah. and the order that it goes in. But I think, and the other problem is overthinking it mm -hmm. when you have an outline with way too much detail and then you put off filming because you think, well, it's this not quite huge. right. Yeah. <laughs> it's huge. Yeah. And what do I cut and all that? So yeah. that's awesome. I, okay. Yeah. I, I think if you like make a video 
or an outline for a video and you have this bullet point and then you have like four or five sub points for that one. Uh-huh. Make a video about that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like you probably have too much for one YouTube video unless it's like a webinar where you're letting people know right off the bat, this is a 45 minute video. Mm-hmm. It's packed. And so just plan before you sit down and start watching this, just plan that you're going to want to pay attention. You're probably going to want to take notes. And we do those a couple times a year. And they do pretty well. They, they do. They do really well, especially, I mean, you get lots of views because people will watch part of it and come back and watch more of it. Oh. And so I think that's pretty common and people will reference it multiple times. Um, they can do really well, but you kind of establish that right off the bat. This is a longer video. We're going to take a little bit longer in every step of the video. Even the intro is a few minutes long now because we're setting the stage um, and giving you more background because you need it. This is more like a class, sure. not a, not just a YouTube video. But for your you know everyday YouTube videos, I do think that on average, a lot of us are overthinking. Yeah, yeah. Content. Doing too much at every stage, probably too much yeah. of an intro, too many calls to action, yeah. too long of an outro, <laughs> too many points. Um, are there other strategies that you're using right now? Yeah, there were some things I wanted to try that I've never... I'm not going to say I'm the only person that's ever done this, but I've never seen anybody say to do it. Um, one of the things that we want to do with with blogging, you know, trying to help Google with YouTube, trying to help YouTube. Um, one of the things that we like to do is try to make their job, which is to surface the content people want, try to make it really easy for them to want to surface our content. Mm. So we want to make it really obvious what our content is about, and who we think the audience should be. And so one way to do that is to create certain similarities between or linkages between your content and maybe other channels that have the audience that would most likely fit yours. Yeah. And there are lots of ways to do this. You can you can mention another person's video, be like, hey, this other channel, they have this awesome video. You can put a card like link to it, link to it in the description or a pinned comment, whatever, if you really want to send people over to it or even the end um, screen or exactly a card so in the video. Mm-hmm. The one that, that I've never heard anybody say to do is on most of my videos on the end screen, I created in the edit, um, a, a little bit of a, you know, just a white end screen with my logo appears on it. And then I put some text and one of them is, um, you know, a related video. And the other says a video I liked and, and then I left, left space to put those end screen mm. spots there. And I let that end screen run for like 20 full seconds. Um, I figure most people are probably going to click away. I'm not that worried about it. In a 10-minute video, if people leave 20 seconds from the end, it's not that big a deal. Mm. I'm getting average watch times of um, more than five minutes on average on the channel. I'm just not that worried if people leave. So is your thought that maybe they'll be scrolling the com- comments and so they leave the video on even though it's over? Well, and... The reason, well, okay, I'm leaving it on for 20 seconds, but but the main thing is, as soon as it gets to that white screen, these two other video options pop up. Mm-hmm. One of them, unless, sometimes I'll have a specific video on my channel that I know is really closely related, and I'll send them to that. But otherwise, I let YouTube pick. I say, I choose the best for viewer option, mm-hmm. and YouTube will pick whatever video it thinks is most relevant for the person watching from my channel. Uh-huh. The other one, where I say a video I liked, I link to another video on someone else's channel that I think has about the audience that I would want. Right? It's so the smart. right topic. It's, um, you know, it's just like the, the topics are, are right on, but also like channel wide. And it has kind of the vibe that I want. Like chances are the people subscribe to this channel are probably, some of them are probably the same type of people. Whether I want to get them to subscribe to me too, or, um, have just have YouTube recognize this is the group of people that I should show your videos to. And so by linking to that video, some people will click through to it. And that's great. If, if YouTube's like, Oh, people that watch this video, then jump over to this video or this channel. Right. It's like, Oh, okay. Well, if this audience likes those videos, then maybe this audience will like those videos. Yeah. And, I'm, and I'm, kind of, I'm going back and forth, right? If my audience likes this, clicks through to this other person's videos, then there's a decent chance that other person's video, like that audience should would want to click through to mine. 
And so then YouTube's going to be a little bit more likely to surface my videos in their feed. Again, these are just little clues that we're giving to YouTube just to signal that this is the audience that, that you should be showing my videos to. Yeah. And I don't know what impact it's had so far. Um, but for all the videos that I pick, I make sure that I pick videos that did really well, that have a lot of views on them. Um, and that, again, the channel has the right vibe that I want, you know, the right, it's got to fit. You know, I'm not going to just pick the video with the most views on the, on a similar okay. topic. I'm, I'm going to pick one that has a lot of views, but also I just feel like has the right audience just based upon yeah. the vibe of the channel. Because the vibe does, it influences the kind of audience. Yes. And you, you're not just trying to teach YouTube what kind of channel your channel is. Yeah. YouTube probably already knows topic. that. Yeah. They probably already know the topic. You're trying to teach them exactly like who's the, the audience. Who's yeah. the audience? Yeah. Who's going to like those videos? And then that's probably huge because then when YouTube sees that, you know, those other people are watching this video and then they're suggesting it to them, they're more likely to click your video. They're more likely to stay on your video because it's targeting the right people in the first place. Mm -hmm. And then that probably makes the algorithm keep going because it's working yeah. well a high percentage of the time it's not just the biggest numbers mm -hmm. it's really really smart it's like the it reminds me of the people also bought thing when you're like yeah. online shopping yeah, right and it's trying to profile these people like <laughs> and i don't know how often that's even true or if they're just randomly suggesting something and pretending <laughs> somebody else bought it but um yeah it's like i like that you say teaching teaching the algorithm because you're not manipulating it no i'm just trying to make it easier for it to yeah. figure out, you know, if, if YouTube's just got to guess like, okay, I know your topic, so I'm going to try it on some people, but it's like, well, but my video has this sort of feel to it, but other people in my topic maybe have a really like hardcore grungy feel to their channel. Mine doesn't have that, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, it's not quite what I'm going for. I don't have a problem with that. It's just not what I'm going for. Yeah. Right. Um, and so, if YouTube's showing it to, to all theirs and they see my thumbnail and they're just like, nope, and they just pass by it, where instead it's like, well, I linked to these specific channels. Oh, okay, yeah. Maybe I'll try with, with them. I'll try mm -hmm. with that audience and the demographic that we are testing their videos with. And if again, if they have videos that are doing really, really well, hundreds of thousands of views, you know, in most cases, then uh, YouTube has a really big pool that they can now test my videos in. Yeah. And a larger portion of that pool is going to like your videos. Right. Because it's, it's already a good fit. fit. Yes. Yeah. It's so cool. So exciting. Um, so as far as videos on your channel that are working, I know you're you're kind of pivoting a little bit based on what you see working. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Um, I wouldn't say that I'm making a big change overall to sort of the type of content that I want to make. Okay, that's but, what I was going to ask. But yeah, there's certain topics that I know did really, are, are just doing well mm -hmm. that gained a lot of interest. I There's a balance to walk here though because you can find like, oh, that video did really well and then go make a bunch more videos on that same topic really similar to it. And next thing you know, YouTube's like, oh, this channel's on that topic. Super specific. And suddenly <laughs> you're like, oh, great. Now if I make a video on anything else, YouTube's like, well, we tested it with that audience and they didn't like it. It's like, well, yeah, it's because it's test it with the broader audience. Well, you don't have a broader audience anymore. <laughs> so you got to be a little careful with that. And you have been on other yes. channels, right? Where you've noticed oh, totally. like, certain yeah. videos do well. Do you have any examples of that? Well, on income school, I mean, uh, Jim and I knew years ago, it's like every time we make a video that's specifically on SEO, more traffic, right? Yeah. But we don't want to be an SEO channel. We want to be a make money online channel. Yeah. We want to teach people how to build specifically a content-based business um, or use content to grow their business. Well, SEO is only a portion of that. So if we make SEO videos for 16 weeks in a row because we know they're going to do well and we really want to build momentum on the channel, well, great. Then I go make a video on search analysis, which is related to optimizing for the search engine, but it's not directly SEO and suddenly, boom. It just doesn't do as well yeah. because YouTube thinks all like, oh no, this isn't an SEO video. And sometimes it won't even try it with the audience. Like YouTube will notify a smaller percentage of the audience because it's like, this video doesn't seem to fit their normal content and YouTube will tank your video. Man. Like, it's just like, they just don't even notify mm -hmm. a lot of your subscribers that literally like clicked the bell and they get no notification because YouTube's like, I don't think they're going to like this one. It's off topic. 
It's dangerous. No, no, it's on topic. I promise. <laughs> no, it's off topic because you have an SEO channel now. I think it's really unique that you do this with multiple things. You're mm-hmm. doing the same thing with the way you are, you know, putting the end screen of videos that have your exact vibe, not just the biggest videos. And you're also doing it here mm-hmm. with not pigeonholing yourself into right. certain topics is you're really looking at the big picture Yes, where so many creators would not do that. They would say, yeah. These videos do super well and they would just chase that because it's so yeah, tempting. Chase the views, right? Yes. The, and one of the big problems with that is you end up stuck with a channel you don't even like. <laughs> yeah. Like one of the worst things you could do as a creator is get on the YouTube treadmill and hate every minute of it because you don't even like what you're doing. Wow. Like yeah. don't do that. And so, yes, like, you know, I wouldn't say I'm pivoting, but I would say that, yeah, absolutely. There, I'm finding things that are working really well. But more than that, You know, I said early on, like I started this challenge with only about 10 ideas listed. I have way more than that now. And a lot of that comes from, it's like, well, this worked really well. Okay, well, that gives me an idea for like seven more videos, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's not like seven videos on that exact same topic, but it's like, you know, what's the broader topic? (laughs) Like that video is sort of a piece of of a broader topic. And I can make videos about all these different steps and parts of, um, it would be so much easier if I could just say what it was, <laughs> by the way. Um, but it's like, you know, like I'm, it's now I kind of have like this goal and this mission that I can work toward um, and and share the journey and make a video about each step of that journey um, in a way that's super helpful for them because I can be testing products and sharing advice. Uh, but by, you know, by the time I'm done with it, instead of it, you know, being one or two videos, it's going to be like eight or or 10 or so. And most of them are going to be pretty product focused, um, which is great for affiliate. Mm -hmm. Um, So, but they're kind of different. They're good standalone too, right? Like, yes, they're not just the same thing. Exactly. And I think that's another benefit of not just continuing to make a video based on what did well last time. Mm -hmm. Is that algorithm aside, even if, which it, I think it does, but even if the YouTube algorithm didn't say, okay, your channel about this SEO, for example, now, I think your audience still gets burnt out of it. It's like you, you want to, I know a lot of channels do this intentionally is they, they stop. I know uh, Jimmy Donaldson, Mr. B says he will end a series before it's like had its full run, like leaves them wanting more, end it before it's died out. And I think that's similar. If you just did SEO videos all the time, I think even your core audience that loves those SEO videos, they would stop doing so well yes, because they'd get burnt out and they'd feel like they learned everything that they had to learn from you about SEO, even right. if it weren't true. But since you sprinkle them in every once in a while and with other, other topics, like head yeah. and channel and things like that, when you sprinkle in these ones that do really well every once in a while, I think that variety really keeps your audience engaged. Otherwise they're going to get tired of it. Yeah, totally. A lot of reasons to do that, but <laughs> it's, it's counterintuitive and it's so hard in the early stages. I think when you you just want views and yeah. you see that something works and so you're like, I'm going to chase that and keep doing that. But learn so from it, right? Mm-hmm. Like what was it about that that did well? Yeah. And then don't duplicate it. Just learn the lesson from it and try that with something slightly different or try or see if like you could do another video, like kind of down that path, but another different video, right? And mm-hmm. then, um, but don't exclusively go down that path, you know, test it a little bit and and play around. Like, I do think though, something you said early on is um, super important. And that is to try to have the long view in mind. Yeah, You know, YouTube, it doesn't need to be a race. We see these channels that were like, oh man, this guy's got millions of views on every video, but he's only published 12 videos ever. And... They're all amazing. <laughs> and you're just like, dang it, how come my channel didn't do that? Well, guess what? That's like a one in a million thing. And it takes a specific type of channel, a specific type of video, and it probably isn't even what you want. You know, for that person, it's maybe it's exactly what they want, but it's probably not the channel you want. Yeah. Because in order to produce that, it takes either a ton of work for yourself or a team. <laughs> and usually that person has like a, some specific knowledge that made it so that they 
could do that, you know? Yes. Maybe um, unlisted videos. Maybe that's not. That's the other one, right? Maybe other channels. Like, you oh, don't no, know. this channel's seven years old. They just unlisted all of the ones before the channel took off. Right. Uh, which does happen. But we, we hear see. those stories and we're just yeah. like, oh, that's what I wanted. But my channel, it's been six months and I'm still not monetized. Or it's been a year and I'm still not monetized. So it's like, well, part of the problem might be that you're chasing views. And you might have gotten monetized a lot earlier if you just played the longer game. Get plenty of content on your on your channel, but like beyond that, you know, build the channel you want to build mm. um, more so than chasing what you think an audience might want. Building a strong, healthy channel that you enjoy running mm-hmm. long term. I think that's the key. Um, the biggest key to avoiding burnout. Yeah, that's awesome. And so what if people are trying to do that and they're not sure if they should just play the long run and keep going or pivot their strategy. What like signs would you say there are that you should probably look at your strategy and make some big changes or signs that you should not make big changes and keep going? You know, um, I think one of the big things is to not get too worked up about it too early. Um, And early doesn't have to do with how old your channel is. It's kind of more about how much content you have. Mm. So, you know, once again, it's like, oh, my channel's six months old. Okay. You know, but you have a video a week. That's like 24 videos. I have that too, you know? Um, so if your channel is not further along than mine, like that's almost, uh, that's almost to be expected. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So maybe it's not time to worry too much about it yet. Um, I do think that most people should front load their channels a little bit and try to publish more than once a week in the beginning, unless you're that person who's going to make the once a month viral video from the start. Um, in which case, disregard that, and you probably don't don't need this. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but for for the everybody else, the almost everyone, um, you know, put some extra effort in front load your channel and get plenty of content on it before you start worrying about it. Now, mm. if you know, you've published a bunch of, you've published 20 videos, right? Um, and none of them, like none of them are getting a hundred views or more, Mm -hmm. you know, especially seeing the numbers that I I'm seeing already, um, with 23 videos. I mean, I had more than a hundred views on a video probably within a week or so. Um, and so that was seven videos. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're 20 videos in and just nothing is working, then there's, there's something wrong. Maybe it's, maybe it's, there's a mismatch. Maybe, um, you know, maybe the audience that your content would attract, maybe it exists, but it's just really small and it's really hard for YouTube to pinpoint. Mm -hmm. Um, and if that's the case, then, you know, maybe you do need to broaden it a little bit. Maybe your, maybe the vibe of the channel, right? Because your audience is made up of multiple things. It's topic plus the feel of it. Yeah. And we've been saying vibe, right? Um, and those go together. And so if your topic plus vibe is a pretty exclusive group, then yeah, you're never going to, it's never going to get real big. Um, and, and maybe it would do fine eventually, but it's just super hard for YouTube <laughs> to find that audience. Yeah. And if there's no other channel out there succeeding in that space, um, then I'm not saying that means that that alone is a sign. Like it's fine to be the first person in a space, but if there's no other channel succeeding in it that, and you've been going at it for a little while, then it could, it could just mean that YouTube just can't figure out who it is. So then we probably do need to make a pivot. Maybe we need to make the vibe a little more inclusive. Um, maybe, I mean, there's kind of depending on this, what the, the scenario is like, yeah. yeah, but we need to start turning some of those knobs. Maybe the topic is too specific. Um, but maybe your vibe, maybe that's who you are. Mm. So, okay, keep the vibe, but let's not make the topic so specific, right? You know, underwater basket weaving for goths is like a little too specific <laughs> maybe, but yeah. it's like, but I'm goth. Okay, cool. Well, let's expand it beyond underwater basket weaving. Maybe, yeah. You know? um, Tweak and, something. Yeah. It doesn't like, have to be everything. Yeah. <laughs> turn a knob. Um, and I think that's fine. And I have nothing against underwater basket weaving or goths. So I just think that combining the two is probably a small audience. <laughs> yeah. um, no problem. So, yeah, I think that's a sign if, you know, if you've published 20 videos and just nothing is going. And I think even 100 views would be pretty low. Mm. Again, like I say, I'm at 23 videos in 23 days and have multiple videos with over 1,000 views. Yeah. Um, wow. And 
I'm not doing anything crazy with this channel. These are all videos that I could basically film and publish same day. Um, with a few exceptions where I got B-roll or something, um, the very first video I published was a week long of testing. Mm -hmm. And that's not even my high performer video. That one's only got <laughs> 135 views on it. Interesting. Right? Um, so like it was a whole week long of torture and I didn't even, <laughs> like, <laughs> haven't even got that many views from it. Um, and so that's not what it takes. You know, some of my highest viewed videos were ones where like, it was just very simple, you know? Um, some of them are product tests. They've done really, really well. Um, so yeah, I, I guess that's, that's just the thing is just, if it's not, if, if you're not getting any views, again, if you're under a hundred on, you know, even 18 out of the 20, yeah. maybe even 15 out of the 20, like we, we got to do something about it. Um, don't just keep doing more. People say, oh, just make more content, make more content, keep at it. No, now let's start turning some knobs. Yeah. Depends on where you're at in the yeah. process. <laughs> right. Yeah. If you've published three videos, like you just keep going, right? Yeah. And even if it's taking you two months to publish your three videos, we're just going to have to keep going. Like yeah. we're at a slow pace. That's fine. Just recognize that your timeline in terms of months and years that pass, it's going to get extended if, if, if you can't, you know, jumpstart this thing a little bit. more. Right. Yeah. I, I just hate seeing channels that have been around for many months or years and they're just yeah. not making it. And they're like, I'm just going to keep going. That's yeah. The people who see. are like, oh, I made a hundred videos and it's like, okay, well let's, let's look at them. Yeah. And you realize like, well, I'm publishing daily. Okay. But what are we doing? Right. And they're sitting down, holding out a cell phone and just like saying something, like <laughs> sharing their opinion about something. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, I just want to be an influencer. And it's like, okay, but we have to build rapport and just having an opinion doesn't make you an expert on anything. Doesn't give anybody a reason to want to listen to you. Right. So now like first we need to like establish some, some rapport, right? So mm -hmm. maybe do give some instruction, teach something, um, do some sort of testing, do make a video showing you doing the thing that you like to talk about. Right. Yeah. Um, and that is going to build credibility so that when you come out and just make a video talking to a camera for 10 minutes, People will watch the whole thing because they already have confidence and in you and, you know, um, trust that you know what you're talking about. And so then when you share your opinion, even if they don't agree with everything, like they, they can at least, um, they'll recognize its validity and they'll want to hear it. Yes, it's like, this is a person out. I respect. This is a person I kind of want to emulate in some ways. I want to hear what they think about this it might inform my opinion a little bit too. Mm -hmm. Like that's when you become an influencer. Wow. But you don't become an influencer just by having an opinion and saying it on camera daily. Um, <laughs> right. And I think a lot of people have that mentality and they see these people who do just like make a video and they talk about some topic and they're just like, you know, giving commentary on it. And they're like, Man, that video got 300,000 views. How come mine don't? Well, okay. That person built up a lot of rapport over a long time. So yeah. demonstrate something, make a cool video that gives me a reason to th believe that you know what you're talking about. Yeah. And you don't niche. know how some people got started. Yeah. Like some people put out dumb videos and say dumb things and it still works. It, but that's true. You don't know where they that's got started. True. Did they right. have one viral video? Did yeah. they have an audience from somewhere else? Right. Like, yes, it is possible to say a whole lot of nothing and get a lot of views and even be really popular. Uh-huh. But the average person can't just do that. You yeah. have to. And and you wouldn't want to. Like, I, I'm sure 95% of people listening wouldn't want to do that. <laughs> you want to be actually credible yeah. and helpful and have a real audience of people who appreciate you for your actual usefulness or connection or whatever value you're really giving them. You're not mm -hmm. just trying to get views. Hopefully, if and, you are to stop watching this. Right. <laughs> and, and we live in, you know, we're in this TikTok age now, right? Where mm -hmm. we see people and we're just like, oh, but what about that person who is a teenager from no, you know, from yeah. random place? And well, they're super pretty and they just talk about stuff and they get millions of views. And it's like, but look at the lifespan of that. Hmm. Like if we watch those people, they almost all have, like we've, we've seen on YouTube that most channels have a lifespan. Absolutely. It's, not that many years, right? 
I think the TikTok lifespan, is, we're seeing that it's a lot shorter. Okay, so a person takes off for a little while, but then boom, they're gone. And suddenly, not only is their whole business dead, but now their identity, they've established themselves like, I'm a, I'm a influencer, but now I have no influence. And so now it's like, a mental health crisis because I don't even know who I am anymore, right? <laughs> like that, that's what we're setting up for. Mm. And so if what you're looking for is like super rapid growth and become an influencer overnight, there's a really good chance that that's going to be a fad that doesn't last very long. Whereas like the Income School YouTube channel is, is an example of one that hit that point where most channels like taper off and die. Mm -hmm. And then it just kept going. Yeah. It just kept going. And it's never had like the... Oh, a million people subscribed, um, you know, multiple millions of views on every video. It's just had like a long, good lifespan. And as a business, it's been incredibly profitable. So if what we're trying to do is create something of value that we can depend on um, for an income, we probably shouldn't be shooting for overnight success because overnight success leads to shorter lifespan. Yeah, we're all searching for how to how to be a trend. Like, what's trending? Yeah. What's going to work right now? But trends you don't want to be a trend. Quickly. No. Yeah. You can use trends to help, like, like make some content and you know tap into the trend a little bit. Yeah. But if you build onto that trend and attach yourself to it very far, it's like you know if right now, like, you know, we were to make some allusion to Barbie or something like that because it's a been a huge trend yeah. and we're probably too late already. <laughs> but if we were to do that and just make some allusion to it, like make that a joke or a part of like a hook for one of our videos. Cool. We get to build on that trend. Mm -hmm. Fine. We can benefit from it, but we're not going to build our channel around that. No. And you don't even want to be a trend yourself. I think so mm -hmm. many of these influencers, like they almost become the trend, at least with their audience, Yeah, but they're so quirky and quirky's fine, but, but they're, there something about them is often it's when it's quick overnight success there's often something about them that is just not going to be interesting that long it's like yeah. the success took off because of that thing that isn't really sustainable not always yeah. but often and so yes. got to figure out how to be timeless with your content <laughs> <laughs> awesome. i think that's big yeah any other strategies you want to share um i'm trying to think of anything else big other than you know i've been working on trying to level up my my editing game a little bit, mm -hmm. um, trying to learn from other people who are better at that than I am. Uh, and I've and I've noticed a difference. Uh, just, you know, I watched this little video from Hilliard Smith and mm -hmm. um, like one little tip that he shared about jump cuts. Uh, it changed the way that I do jump cuts and I've made them even shorter. Cool. But they feel more natural. Like... I'm like, oh, that's that's more effective and less jarring. Yeah. Even though there's an even shorter break. And not that hard. And it's super easy. Yeah. It's just just a little change because I learned it from someone who knew more than I did. So um, that's not really a strategy. It's just a little tactic that just, I think, is making my videos slightly more engaging. Um, and, you know, other things I've been doing, um, there's times where I'm demonstrating something, but you don't really need to see the detail of it. But for continuity's sake, you kind of need to... Um, see that I did it. So before it was like, well, I'll just speed it up like four times or even eight times faster. Mm -hmm. But then you realize it's like, okay, but it's still like 15 seconds of just like watching me move super fast. <laughs> yeah. Like that's not really that helpful. So what do I do? I speed it up and then I cut out 80% of it from the middle and you can't even oh. hardly tell where the cut took place because it's all happening fast. Smart. Or at other times I'll just show myself kind of starting to do something. And then I almost never use transitions mm -hmm. between cuts but when I want to show like, okay, I said I was going to do something and then all of a sudden it's done. So time, time has passed. passed. So there's a transition in Final Cut that's called clock. <laughs> and literally it just like from one frame from, you know, it takes from one clip to the next and it just does a clockwise wipe. Nice. Right? And it just, again, I almost never do it, but for most things I just do a jump cut or, or I'll switch between two cameras or B-roll. Um, but when I want to show a bunch of time passed, but it's going to feel really jarring to just have a jump cut here. Mm -hmm. um, I'll just do the little clock transition. I never used to do that, but it just, for some reason, when I watch it, I'm like, oh yeah, time just passed. It yeah. just like, my brain is like, oh cool. Yeah, I get that. And just little, little things. Yeah. That, and I didn't learn that from anybody else. I was just like, 
in the editing, I was like, this feels weird to have a jump cut here because I just said, I'm going to go do this like real quick or whatever, or we need to do this now and then we'll be back. And then all of a sudden I'm back, you know? And one time I even said like, well, for this test now I need to wait 48 hours, but I guess you don't. And then I said, in fact, and I snapped. And then as I snapped, I did a little whoosh sound effect from Final Cut uh-huh. and did the little clock thing. Or no, I didn't even do the clock thing. It like was a, it was one where like the f- frame just kind of collapsed in on nice. me and I like got sucked out or something and the new one was there, right? Um, just kind of silly, a little bit cheesy, but it totally fits my vibe. <laughs> yeah. And um, I thought I thought it turned out really good. Like I really liked the way that transition looked. Um, yeah. And I kind of got to even play on the fact that like, I told you 48 hours has to pass, but you guys are lucky. You don't have to wait, you know? Oh, right. And I just, that was it. I didn't Same. belabor it. It just, it, two second little thing and boom, I moved on. But it allowed for that continuity. So I've, I'm thinking of my videos, even the informational ones, a little bit more like a story and making sure that there's continuity from frame to frame and from um, clip to clip. Um, so that's kind of a more s- kind of technical in edit sort of stuff and in filming sort of stuff, but just keeping keeping it so that it feels like there's a continuous flow to the video. Mm-hmm. And I think that's been improving. Um, other big strategies, not really. Just trying to make it easy on YouTube to figure out what my videos are about. Um, and and that's it. And just publishing daily. That's amazing. So you're making little changes with the edits. I like that you're doing like one thing at a time, but then you're noticing what works well and keeping it in your back pocket. Yeah. It's still not like on a video per video basis, uh-huh. but you're also not doing the like, I have to become an editor thing. Yeah. What does that yeah. even mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> you know a decent amount about editing. You don't have to be amazing. Nope. And you don't have to learn everything to improve. But you're tweaking little things. And you're noticing what feels good for the viewer. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the whole the whole helping the algorithm thing. It's what YouTube wants. YouTube yeah. wants to know who's going to like your content. Uh-huh. And you're helping with that. You're not manipulating it, which is... Just yeah. Awesome. And I think <laughs> the key, the key is the big, big picture strategy. Right. I think once you focus so much on the views for one video, that's when it's like, you, you almost decide. can't, Yeah, you can't do it without manipulating the mm-hmm. algorithm a little bit. But since you're trying to think about like, what audience do I actually want? What audience is going to want this content? How do I show YouTube that? That's just helping YouTube learn. And YouTube yeah. likes that. So yep. I think one of the best things we've done is that historically on our channels, we just, we, we, Jim and I would publish content. And then, especially cause like when we started other channels, they were never like our main focus. Mm-hmm. Then it was back to income school. Right. And so we didn't ever get hung up on any one video. Yeah. And I think that has kind of trained me now. So I'm at a point where I, I'm not worried. Like I do look at the views every day and it's exciting, but I'm more looking at channel wide and then I'm looking for the outliers like which videos did really well okay why mm. and then i'm not worried about like oh these ones that didn't do that well that's fine over time it'll it'll get more views like it's not a waste don't take it down that's dumb you want a library like build a library yeah and then you know over time people will come to the channel they'll see you have all this content it'll do really well i just i just think that it's too easy to get just super myopic laser tunnel vision on one thing mm. just like relax. Like everything's gonna be okay. Just go make a video that you would enjoy. And then when I edit it, I, like you said, I try to take from the standpoint of a viewer, um, you know, as I'm editing it, I slow down a little bit and I (laughs) normally, if when I'm doing like the cutting the video together, I do it on like double speed so that it'll go faster. Mm -hmm. And I still do, but then I'll go back and watch each clip and each transition on normal speed and focus on it and watch it as if I were viewing the video. And every time I see like that either continuity is broken or I'm getting bored, I know I need to do something about it. And I think that just helps a lot. Like thinking of your own content as if you were the viewer. Yes. Not, yeah. And it's a very like zoomed in perspective. It's like on this micro level, minute to minute, if I was a viewer, would I keep watching this? Would I be bored? I, I think another mistake is just looking at these like whole video, like yeah. this video is going to be a flopper. I'm sure this video is going to do great. Cause the topic, cause this, cause that, right? Yeah. People get so focused on like the video as a whole of uh-huh. it's either a flop or it's, but yeah, you're just looking at piece by piece. Are uh-huh. they still engaged? Are they still entertained? Yeah. 
and slowly. Yeah, it's like get into the video, make every minute of the video, every five seconds of the video, make it good. Good, You know, I'm not going to spend three days on an edit, but because I don't have that kind of time, but Mm -hmm. like make it engaging to watch and then publish the video and let it let YouTube do its thing. Right. Yeah. It's not a lottery. Yeah. Yeah. There is an algorithm and it and it's not biased against you. Mm -hmm. I hear all the time. YouTube hates small creators. Like, really? (laughs) Yeah. Because I've done this so many times. There's there's a system. It works. And, you know, let's just make it easy on this algorithm. Like, it's not a person with all these biases. It's it's a computer. And if your video, if it it does certain testing and the video doesn't pass the test, it stops pushing it. It's that simple. So real quick, how many days in, how many days left? 20, 23 days in. So okay. I have seven more days, seven more videos um, before this 30-day challenge is up. Awesome. And what's the date that it ends? The, I believe, yeah, the 19th. The 19th. Okay. That should be the last video. We'll definitely do an episode on the 19th. Thank you, everybody. We'll talk to you next time.